Hello, Ramblers. Welcome once again to a special bonus edition of the Royal Ramble. I am your host, Blaine the Brain, and today we are talking all about Forbidden Door, which was opened last night right here in Toronto at the Scotiabank Arena. Today is a very special one because we have a guest, uh, one of the friends of the show. Uh, he is actually, he was at the Forbidden Door event last night. And not only that, but he'll actually be going to SummerSlam Detroit this, uh, this summer in August, as well as the London show All In. And, and that is Narubin. Narubin, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. So uh, tell me about your experience from the show, man. Like, how what was uh, what was the day like for you? Um, it was good. Like previously, I did go to a Collision the night before, so um, you know, it was just like round two, basically. No, it was great. Um, you know, we did the usual things. You know, came with my crew, had a few drinks before the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I missed most of zero hour, but uh, no, it was uh. It was great. I just want to mention, uh, you know, how lucky it is we have Scotia Bank as a venue in Toronto. If you go to like many of the venues, like in the states, like the one I went to for All Out and, and for Now Arena is very far out. Not many amenities. Scotia Bank is a, so centrally located, so connected to everything. It's just, you know, like there's like so many amenities. Like it's connected to all like the major. Uh, transit point, so it's like we're really lucky to to really have that venue and have it be connected to so much uh, because it is in the heart of downtown. Yeah, that, yeah, that's awesome. Did you have any uh, trouble uh, with the transit situation uh, due to I think Pride was going on this weekend as well. Did any any craziness there? Uh, no, no, no. Like I mean, I, I took public transportation to come down. Um, even like parking, like you know. If, if you go to downtown a lot, like if you're if you're if you're in Toronto or live in Toronto proper, like you know where all the spots to get good parking is, right? Like generally the rule of thumb, like parking like near like right directly at the venues and uh is pretty mm-hmm. it's pretty expensive. But like, you know, if you go a couple of streets over, like you can find uh, affordable parking. So mm-hmm. no, it was all good. Yeah, so let's uh, let's get right into the show. Uh, you you mentioned that you missed a lot of the zero hour. What at what point did you start uh, to file in? Uh, we came in uh, at the last match. What was it? Uh, it was uh, the uh, I was, came in in Gorbanovli. That was the Jamal. best friends match. Yeah, with the best friends. Oh no, it was them versus United Empire, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I I came in for for that match, and then and then the show started. Yeah, for for me it was it was my first experience watching an AEW pay per view live. I, I obviously didn't attend uh, in person, but it was it was a great experience actually watching live and and being able to interact with fans online. Uh, one thing I noticed about the zero hour, I felt that a lot of the talent, it seemed like they were holding like it, it didn't really the pay per view didn't really get going until like maybe like three matches in. Uh, did you find that at all? Uh, like, is it? Is it just me, or or was it? Um, did you find that the talent had kind of toned down, toned down a bit uh, in the zero hour? Yeah, yeah. I think you know they obviously they had to rate, especially mm-hmm. just with uh, what was going to come. And I've also found that to be the case with uh, like even the dynamite, right? The dynamite, the first dynamite that came, and then even like uh, all out last year, like the zero hour is definitely like the wrestlers are definitely holding back. Mm-hmm. So then we got into the main uh, the main card and starting the show they started off really hot with the AW World Title on the line. Mm-hmm. 
Was it a surprise to you that that match opened the show? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. No, that, uh, no, even MJF even said so. Like, yeah, there's going to be the uh, first match because I, I can't stand being in Canada. So, no. <laughs> I, I, you, already, you already said that, and like, I expected as much anyways. Yeah. Was it uh, was it a different match? Like to me, it was a different match than I would have expected. I still enjoyed it, but more from a storytelling perspective. Like I, I thought a lot. I thought both guys did a tremendous job of selling. I, I hope neither injury was, of course, legit. But I, I don't know if in Tadahashi's case it might have been. Uh, but they were both doing a tremendous job of selling the knees, uh, and that really played into the story of the match. Uh, but it wasn't it wasn't as fast a pace. Mat, fast paced a match that I would have expected. Like uh, to be honest, uh, no, it was it was a decent match, but you know, like as good as uh, Tanahashi is, you know, he is getting up there in age, and uh, you know, he did he did fumble. Yeah, I don't know mm-hmm. if you caught that. He did fumble yeah, when he was I going to the that. top of the rope. Yeah, yeah, so they probably didn't. You probably didn't hear this um, watching live, but the announcers actually did note it. Note that. Uh, the ring is structured differently than a Japan, a New Japan ring, um, and they they kind of made made that argument that uh, he was having a little trouble with his footing on the top rope, uh, because it is it is structured differently, and uh, and he I guess he was kind of like slipping a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it was it was a decent enough match. It was like. You know, obviously Andrea was gonna win, but uh, you know, I felt Tanahashi was protected enough that it didn't really damage his uh, aura, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Did you happen to catch what was printed on a- a- MJF's uh, attire? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, okay, obviously it's just you know normal MJF stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so where do you feel like a guy like MJF, obviously he's had a pretty decent run thus far, like where, where do you feel that he goes next after, after this big win, of course? Um, what do you see as his opponent for the All-In event, assuming that he keeps the title until then? Oh, I don't know. Um, I would feel punk, but I don't know. Even that, by that point, I think it may be too soon, but... He needs that that like he needs a, that marquee match at, at all all in or all out whichever the two like mm-hmm. he needs that big marquee match and and so far all I can think of is Punk but like is, is that too early? Yeah, too early like two months from now, right? Like are they gonna maybe like maybe stretch it out a bit and like have Punk kind of go through a few feuds before he mm-hmm. you know kind of touches base with MJF again? Yeah, like that. That's the other thing. I'm not too sure what to do with Punk in that case because obviously he doesn't yeah. want to work with the elite, and mm-hmm. and that really seems like the only op- the only viable option for him, unless you put like uh, somebody like a Zack Saber Jr. in there or some or some kind of one of the British talents in there. Uh, as far as MJF, I've heard rumors uh, circulating that um, David Smith is is rumored to be part of that card, the son of the British Bulldog. Uh, do you see him in that spot against MJF for the title? No, he's he's not a big enough name. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it has to be someone big. Like if they can get Goldberg, they should definitely get Goldberg mm-hmm. for that spot. Um, no, but they need someone big. Like, and, you know, he's sorry to say he's not a, he's not as big yeah. as his dad. 
No, I get, I get what you're saying, but I, but I was thinking more from like a story perspective, like because his dad wrestled, of course, in the main event at Wembley, and mm-hmm. and honestly, he wasn't really as big a star back then either until that match. No, that is true. That is true. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, no, it's a, it'll be hard to say, right? But we'll definitely know in the coming uh, months, uh, coming weeks and months. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the second match in was the uh, the match the, that started the Owen Hart uh, Men's Cup tournament uh, mm-hmm. with CM Punk against Satoshi Kojima. Mm-hmm. Is this was this the right opponent for Punk? Do you think? Like, is this the right way? Like, was this the perfect use of him at a show like this? Yes, yes. I thought this match. Uh, well, the setup of the match was no. This was great. This was great because uh, no one was in a boo. Kojima and mm-hmm. uh, I was there at the night before and you know there are definitely booths for Punk and you know he's definitely like he's not a full-blown heel yet but he's definitely playing into that and and also they have like a little bit of history like him and Kojima from the ROH days mm-hmm. and they even uh, Punk even did a few callbacks uh, towards that time uh, so no no this was no this was perfect this was uh, absolutely uh, the right placement of the match and the right opponent for him. How, how would you compare the two nights? You were obviously there for both. How would you compare the two nights in terms of the reaction that Punk received? Well, I mean, being that there are more people at Forbidden Door than Collision, uh, you know, the reaction it was much more magnified, but <laughs> uh, either way, it was uh, it was more booze than, than actual cheers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he really leaned into it. Like, he really leaned into it and and you can't stay that he's a star, right? Like, the true test of a star is what kind of reactions they get, right? If no one's really reacting to him, he's not a star, right? But if there's a good reaction and, you know, there's bad reactions, then, you know what? You know, definitely, like, CM Punk is a bona fide star and, you know, they're really lucky to have him back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I and and I was gonna add that actually as well. Uh, you already mentioned, but I love the way that Punk is just milking it for what it's worth. He did. He doesn't seem phased by it. Um, I, I think he almost probably expects it, and he's just play. He's just letting it play out. Like he's enjoying it. Like I, I feel like he's much more comfortable playing the heel. Um, okay, so the third match uh, we got is the uh, four-way international title match. This is kind of where the pay-per-view really kicked off for me. Uh, I'm not the biggest, for anybody who's listened to my show, I'm not the biggest Orange Cassidy fan, but I have to give the guy his credit. Like, he's been having he, he's been having bangers lately, like, especially since winning the title, uh, since defending it every week. Um, and his matches have actually become the mo- some of the most enjoyable for me. Uh, I just don't dig the character, uh, to be honest. But this one was no exception. It was great. Uh, I didn't care for the whole thing with Daniel Garcia trying to be a sports entertainer as opposed to a professional wrestler. Um, how how did you feel about the the pacing of this match and the, and the overall storytelling? I thought it was great. Um, you know, obviously there were, you know they're limited for time here. Like some of these matches had to run short and. For this one, it did have to run short. It, you know, I if they were given maybe ten more minutes, they could have created some great stuff here. Uh, but no, like for what they had and what they had to work with, they did great. 
personally, uh, well, I love Daniel Garcia in this match. He was he was absolutely awesome. And uh, yes, I know some people might not enjoy him, but like he was like from like two or three years ago when he was mm-hmm. like with uh, 2.0. He was an extremely bland character. A great wrestler, but now yeah. he's just like fully kind of coming to his own as this kind of ridiculous like sports entertainer <laughs> guy who's really like a great technical wrestler. So no, he he did well. Um, Zack Saber Jr. like like awesome, like incredible wrestler, like just kind of you know maintaining that whole kind of uh, catch wrestling lineage, and then like Shibata, man, like Shibata is just like that's a that's a success story. That guy like came back. That guy was, like, taken out at the top of his game. Like, that guy was, like, he was, like, one of the ones. And then at the top of, like, the peak of his career got taken out. And, like, you know, now he's back and, you know, just as good as he was before. And, no, it was great seeing him. And, you know, Orange is, what can you say about Orange, man? Orange was great. Mm-hmm. Orange, I love Orange. And like, Orange is great in this. And, no, they, they did uh, well for what they had. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of points, actually. So yeah. you made a good point about Daniel Garcia when he was with yeah. 2.0 being like more of a bland character. Um, that's actually a really good point because I've, I've noticed lately that he's kind of moved away from the Jericho Appreciation Society and kind of branched out on his own. And I think that's a wise decision to make him stand out because among that group, he's probably the weakest character. Yeah. No, no, I agree. No, I, I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as Orange goes, you know, Toronto has a reputation for being known as Bizarro World. Did you hear any kind of negative reaction for Orange at all? Absolutely not. No, I did not mm. hear any sort of negative reaction. Yeah. Like, Bob Kapoor know. obviously wasn't in the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you know, no, we, we all love Orange. Orange is great. Okay, great stuff. And then, uh, of course, it ended with Orange retaining his title, which which I found a bit surprising. I thought maybe they would have given it to Garcia, uh, considering that he was the only one coming in without a title. Uh, but then there was something interesting that kind of closed the match, ended the match, is that it had the three champions standing in there. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr., uh, I don't know if you heard, but he actually uh, mouthed the words, this is not over, to Orange. Yeah. Um, do you see these three continuing, maybe have like a, a triple threat with all titles on the line at the London show? Oh, I don't know, but that's actually a great idea. Mm-hmm. That's actually a great idea. No, no, that's, ooh, that's, that's interesting. No, no, I'm, I'm down for that. I'm down for that. I'm not, uh, but I haven't heard anything to that effect, though. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we got into the um, IWGP Heavyweight uh, Championship Challenge uh, with um, Sonata being challenged by Jungle Boy. Uh, Sonata has completely changed his appearance uh, since uh, since in this new run, of course. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. It's, I think it's still too early to say. But he did make a comment referencing Jungle Boy, saying that, who is this guy challenging me, like... Um, but then, it, but then Taz made a good point that it is an open challenge. Uh, for, firstly, uh, what did you think of the match, and, and do you think Jungle Boy is the right guy uh, to be in this kind of position? Uh, for transparency's sake, I, I went to the washroom for uh, part of this match, mm-hmm. so I came towards the end. Uh, but um, what I saw, like you know, it was a it was a decent enough match. Um, like I didn't, like, it wasn't like the most memorable one. Um, I mean, like, shit, the most memorable thing about this match was what happened after, really. 
Yeah, exactly. And we'll and we'll get right into that. So the firstly, the finish kind of came out of nowhere. Like it caught me by surprise. And it looked a little bit awkward. I think that Red Shoes, the referee, was a little off the mark when he made the count. And it seemed like it was like it didn't seem like the match was over. And then all of a sudden he rings the bell. Um, and then, of course, the end, the the post-match angle. Were you expecting that at all? I was expecting it, but I didn't expect it to come so soon. I thought it would be maybe like maybe a month maybe a month and some change after that they would pull the trigger on that, but mm-hmm. I didn't expect it so soon. Yeah. And I wonder, like, I also wonder what the motivation must've been for that. Taz, of course, he was livid. Like he, he let it be known like on his commentary and obviously he left, he left the booth right after that happened. Uh, so they're really milking that angle and hook did it. I, I thought hook did a tremendous job of selling like something as basic as a clothesline. The guy was down for like forever. And um, yeah, so so it, it'll be interesting to see what the follow up is here. Um, what kind of reaction did did Jungle Boy receive uh, in the live audience? Oh, it was uh, it was thunderous. It was like like as soon as that happened, it was like people couldn't believe it, and then they started just booing immediately. Like they made it, they let it be known. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it it's interesting because he's one of the guys that I never. Th- Thought, like I, I don't think I would have never thought, never expected him to be healed, but he's one of the few that has gotten really over as a babyface, and I think the most, uh, the the one thing that I'll miss the most out of his whole character is probably the theme music, because I don't think, yeah, I don't think he's going to be keeping that with as a heel. No, I, no, I don't think so. Like it wouldn't fit. Uh, but to be honest, like I found his character to be a little bit uh, stagnant, like, you know, mm-hmm. this previously in the four pillars match, I thought out of all the four, he's, like, pretty much the weakest pillar. So, like, mm-hmm. he needs some change-up, and I think uh, the seal turn would be good for him. Yeah, and then, uh, so moving along, we had the big uh, 10-man tag. Uh, this was this was probably one of the highlights for me of the whole night. I'm not a... Like I like the Young Bucks, but they're like their style is kind of reminiscent of like a Cirque du Soleil. It's not like as a traditional wrestling fan, it's not mm-hmm. something that I really look forward to. But they're always entertaining, and that's really what the what the name of the game is. Uh, but they ha- so it was the elite team uh, with uh, Tomohiro Ishii and Eddie Kingston against the Blackpool Combat Club uh, with Shota Umino and um, and Takeshita. Um, did you like the the announcers noted time and time again how Eddie Kingston was not it, it, like he didn't really get along with his teammates, but he also didn't get along with the opposition. And to me, like that has always been my biggest pet peeve in wrestling is like, why would you want to team stuff with somebody that you don't get along with? How did how did you find that dynamic? Did that work for you? Well, I mean, it works for Eddie's character, right? So for me, like, I never really had a problem. Like, it works for Eddie's character. Um, and, and the match itself, like, really, I, I love the match. The match was great. Uh, but again, uh, it's kind of like a sort of like a, re, like a reoccurring pet peeve, like, throughout the night. And this is, like, one of the maybe the criticisms of the events is, like, some of these matches run a little too short. And, mm-hmm. like, I found this match could have used maybe another another 10 minutes. It was more like a lot of a lot of spots and like in a short amount of time. But no, I, I really I really enjoyed I really enjoyed this uh, mm-hmm. this match and I liked Eddie's dynamic in the whole thing, right? And uh, 
you know, some people complained about the spot at the end where, like, he's pushing Moxley out of the way. But, uh, no, no, like, it works for Eddie's character. And I think um, more than anything, I think uh, this match was more about Eddie than than anybody else. It wasn't really... exactly. It wasn't really about the lead and and, uh, and the uh, Blackpool combat feud. Like, I think it was really about Eddie because... If you notice, like when Eddie was standing tall, everybody was cheering his name. And at some point, you're gonna have to put Eddie in that spot. Like it needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Like it may not be tomorrow, it may not be next month, but at some point, like it has to happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, he's he's certainly over. You can't really deny that. Um, it, it did kind of like there were parts of the match that it was kind of distracting. Like that that whole like story of Eddie being the one like so like being so divisive not only among his own team members but among his opponents uh but yeah the match was very entertaining um did you find it weird though that the babyface team went over like considering that aspect and also because they just really they just turned Takeshita no because like I feel like this feud between uh BCC and the elite is a similar all summer long and they're going to be trading uh, wins and losses mm-hmm. right? because like the next the next blood and guts is going to be the elite in BCC again yeah exactly that's a good point um, and then uh, of course the women were on the card as well uh, Tony Storm New Japan doesn't really have much of a women's division as I mentioned in my preview uh, over the weekend but uh, they were represented by the uh, the new uh, champion uh, Willow Nightingale uh, she cha- she uh, challenged uh, in this match Tony Storm for the AEW Women's Title. Um, did did you find that um, like how did you how did you find this match as compared to some of the other women's matches? Well, the match was fine. My complaint about this match is this match can happen anytime. Like mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like I, like my main thing for the next Forbidden Door, they really need to find a way to include Stardom. The next forbidden door, right? Because there's just so much like great talent there, right? And and they could definitely just including the stardom talent can really elevate uh, the woman, uh, the the woman's division in AEW. And they need to like they need to do something next year because like like this was like this is yeah this is one of my main gripes about this match. Like the match was fi- itself was fine. It was just we can see this match on like any like any. Anyway, yeah, we can exactly. see this match. Why? Why are we having this match on the pay per view? Yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't feel it doesn't feel too special in that sense. Uh, I get what you're saying. Um, I, I think it's just it, like it just felt like a matter of them filling a quota to have a women's match on the card. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you know too much about Stardom, but like there's like a whole like world in there yeah. with like so many like different factions and yeah, right. like. Iquila and like uh, like all these people there were like superbly talented uh, wrestlers. Yeah, I mean the announcers even kept mentioning how um, Willow and Julia were were going at it on on Twitter. Um, yeah. I like I'm I'm surprised that even if they're if they're gonna mention Julia, why not put her in this spot? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, I think they're gonna they're doing something in Japan like next week. I think I'm I'm not too sure of the details. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then, um, oh well, oh well, then we, they were going to talk about it, <laughs> and that's the match that stole the show, Osprey Omega 2, oh man, 
were uh, like I it was it was probably um probably the match that I would have expected and more. Did it exceed your expectations? Oh man, so this match. Oh man, like, where do I even begin with this match? Um, so I watched, I watched the 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 Tokyo Dome show, right? Yeah, I watched same. it, and I watched it on January fourth, and I'm like, this is this is one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. This is definitely a match of the year. This mm-hmm. is no, this what this is, this was the match of the year for me, and. Just like throughout that entire year, the year kept rolling along, and you know there were all these great matches, but no one came, no match came up to that level mm-hmm. until until last night. Yeah. And uh, wow, um, like I, what what can you say? Like the entrances, like like everything, like just like their whole history, and just kind of calling back to the previous matches, and then. Just getting into the finishing stretches of this match, like, just, like, insane, like, you know, just, like, well, t- trolling everybody, like, you know, like, even, like, really pushing some buttons, mm-hmm. pushing some buttons that shouldn't probably have been pushed, but, like, yeah. he pushed them, <laughs> and, uh, like, I don't know, I know you, I, I know you know what, you, what, you, what I'm talking about exactly, yeah. um, was that the but, Canadian flag thing that, uh, uh, no, the the spot where you know he did a oh, certain. Oh, the blood. Movie. Yeah. No, 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 no. There is a certain move he did, and uh, right. Oh, right, right. Oh, right yes, right. yes, yes. And it was the anniversary this week as well of that. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't even I didn't even think about that until like and and everybody, you know, I everybody started the chant of course uh, as he as he did that move. Um, because I, I saw like the shark, like I think if he did it in any other situation, people wouldn't have probably put two and two together. But the fact that he did it after the sharpshooter, I think that's what made people make the connection. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, no, like, like I, uh, I didn't have too much of a problem with it, but he was definitely pushing some buttons that night. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's just doing his job as a heel, and but yeah. like just towards the end, just like the sequence of moves and. Like it just all that came to a crescendo, and then, and then wow, just like him hitting the one one winged angel on uh, on Kenny, Kenny mm-hmm. kicking one. And that's like a callback to, uh, I think that was a callback to Hogan, right? Like the one, yeah. like this, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a callback to Hogan, mm-hmm. and no, just that Tiger Driver ninety one. I saw that. I I leapt up from my seat when he when he <laughs> did that. He leapt up from my seat. I was like. No. Yeah. Oh, you're like, like no, you're not Misawa. No. <laughs> now, now, my one. So, so firstly, I thought this match trumped the the uh, Wrestle Kingdom match. Uh, I was, I actually wasn't all that impressed with the Wrestle Kingdom match, but I, I loved this match. Um, and then there were a few other matches this year that I think might be up there as well. Like uh, everybody, like remembers the Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn match. Uh, of course, the Walt, the Gunther, Drew, and Sheamus match at WrestleMania, and then uh, there was another, there was another match, uh, MJF and uh, Danielson, Iron Man. Uh, but I think this probably can you can make a case as best match of the year so far. Uh, my one criticism, though, is that I kind of felt that it dragged at the end. Like, like there were a lot of thing, there were a lot of uh, sequences where I'm like, 
this is the finish, this is the finish, and they never got there, and then they kept kicking out of, like, so many moves that, that could have logically ended the match. Uh, that That's kind of my one criticism, but that's nitpicking, and uh, ultimately, I think the right guy went over, and we'll probably, if you agree, I don't know, uh, we'll probably get um, Omega Osprey 3 in London. I think so, too. I think so, too, and I think uh, that match will even surpass this one. Uh, but no, this by far is uh, the the best match I've seen live live or in person, and this has to be this actually has to be the greatest match I ever witnessed live. Oh well, that, yeah, that's saying something. That that is really saying something. A lot of people say even the greatest match ever. I don't know if I would go that far, uh, but definitely the great one of the greatest matches in recent memory. I, I think it might have been this generation Steamboat versus Savage. Like, I mean, like, I can't really, it just, it's just so fresh that I can't really make any historical comparisons mm-hmm. or, you know, call it the greatest match yeah. of all time. But for me, it's definitely, like, a match of the year. And yeah. definitely for just my personal point of view, just out of all the things I've seen live, like, through mm-hmm. the years, this has to be, like, like the greatest, the greatest live match I've seen. Like, the previous right. match I've, like, the the previous match I had previously was, uh, you know, the Seth Rollins versus Davey Richards uh, Ring of right. Honor. I remember that. Yeah, that was that was my previous one, but this definitely this match surpassed that. So just yeah. personally, this is my favorite. I've seen. Yeah, like a lot of people, think, a lot of people throw around terms like generally generational talent these days. I think this is probably like a term that can go with like a generational match. Um, because it's, it's so interesting to think like 20, like maybe even 10 years ago, this style of wrestling wasn't even like a thing. And all of a sudden, like, this is like the new normal. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like a lot of like callbacks, you know, a lot of just kind of like, uh, like the same kind of style of like, you know, like what's going on in Japan, but also a lot of callbacks to like. 90s Japanese wrestling and like early you know 2000s ROH and like you know just all just kind of coming together. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we only have about seven minutes left. I do I want to get through the last couple of matches. Uh, so we we have the uh, the six man Jericho Guevara and Suzuki against Sting, Darby, and Naito. Uh, I was actually a little surprised that they they didn't call uh, Shingo Takagi as part as the partner for Sting and Darby because he was their partner last year. Um, did you, were you expecting Naito in this match? Uh, I wasn't expecting Naito, but, uh, him bringing, them bringing Naito in made all the sense in the world because, uh, you know, just number one, like him and Jericho have history. Mm-hmm. And then number, number two, he got shafted last year. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So, so no, they definitely, they had, they had to bring him in. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of the the dynamic between uh, the heel tag team? Like, did Suzuki fit in well with the, the Sex Gods? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I don't know. Was there were any did, did Jericho have? Like, I don't remember, but like, did Jericho have any association with like Suzuki or Suzuki Good? Like, um, years past. I think I'm not too sure about this. I think they teamed up last year. I think yeah. that was the reference. Uh, at last year's uh, Forbidden Door event, but I, I, I'd have to look back at the history books. I, I don't remember anything particular in particular, but they seem to have, like, he seems to be, like, gel well with, with them. 
And it seems like the they were pushing more of the story of Sammy kind of being on the fence between like babyface and heel, uh, where he was kind of reluctant to do that that uh, flipping uh, dive to Sting, um, the the four fifty or six thirty or whatever it was. Um, did you uh, like? Did, were you more impressed with the match, like the in ring quality, or did you like the story? I like the story. I I did go to the washroom for like five minutes, but like I came, I saw like a fair bit of it, and no, the story. Like I like the story, right? Because you know, there's obviously like a lot of things being just set up, like yeah, Sammy being set up, and then Sting and Jericho being set up, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just kind of it was it was more it was like a match was more servicing a story like on the regular TV shows than having anything to do with. You know the general kind of, I guess, ethos of the pay per view. Right. right. It was more kind of like kind of moving a story, moving a, like a couple of stories along. Mm-hmm. And then uh, lastly, of course, we closed the night with the American Dragon Brian Danielson against Kazushiko Okada. Um, was it firstly was it surprising to you that a match like this would close the show a non title match? It was not surprising. Um... Frankly, uh, like personally, I would have wanted Omega and Osprey to close mm-hmm. out the show, uh, but uh, I understand because this closing out the show because it is a marquee match, right? Like, mm-hmm. like the three, like you know, three years ago, it's like you wouldn't have even like three, four years ago, you don't think this match would ever happen. Like it was like a pipe dream, basically. Like you right. had someone four years ago, oh, this is gonna happen, and they'll laugh in your face. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> no, it's happened. Yeah, so uh, tell me, like, what was the reaction when that song, the final countdown, hit? Oh, like, I, everyone was going like nuts. I was going nuts. Like, like I was just like I was losing it, right? Because <laughs> my introduction to to uh, to Brian was in ROH, right? right, back in 2009, and then they used to just play his song all the time. And I remember when he left, right? So then to kind of just come back and like you know see see him see that theme song come back it would it just brought back memories and like I just went nuts I, I it was nuts like the whole arena went nuts mm-hmm. it was just crazy it was like what a moment like what a moment I'm witnessing live it was it was great wonderful and and then uh, they so they had a really good match and then they had that spot where the doctor came in uh, to check on Brian he was kind of convulsing uh, mm-hmm. a bit from the dive. Uh, did you did you think that was a work or did or did you guys like were was everybody around you kind of talking like it was like it was a shoot like it was legit? I I, I didn't think I I, I I thought it was a work. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because like you don't know what uh, Brian right like right. he does he does this kind of kind of stuff all the time right he plays it up like he'll play off like a like a work injury like it's real so right. I wasn't too sure yeah. Um, but no, like the end of the match was definitely a tell that maybe something mm-hmm. did happen. Yeah, that that's kind of the impression I got. Like I assumed that it was work until the very end, and the dot like the doctor stoppage didn't really play into the finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's kind of what where I got. And then it was reported I think today uh, that Brian is going to be out for about six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, fortunately, it's not something that will require him to be out any particular length of time in a lengthy period of time. But, uh, I mean, definitely wish him all the best. I hope, I hope he has a speedy recovery. 
Uh, and I, I definitely always, always cringe when he does things like that, like uh, like the drop kick, for instance, because he always lands on the back of his head. Um, yeah, so like I, I hope that he definitely retires those types of moves if he continues. Yeah, definitely for sure. And I think it was reported that he he, he was injured as well. Um, no, but the match itself was was great. It was great. It definitely lived up to my expectations. I, you know, caught like one of the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. And Nilsson, one of the greatest of all time. And you know, they put on a they put on a great match. And and you know, while what is it wasn't ideal for me as the as the main event, uh, like it certainly was deserving of closing uh, an event like that. Mm-hmm. So no, it was a great match and. They both put on a great show, and uh, no, I definitely hope uh, Okada comes back every year to Forbidden Door because he's like you know just he may not be known by by like you know by most of the wrestling community, but he is legit like you know one of the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was a great great night, uh, probably one of the best pay per views of the year, or maybe even the last decade. Uh, Forbidden Door, I think it's definitely lived up to the expectations. Uh, probably going to be AEW's version of WrestleMania one day, um, or, or even Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, so with that, uh, we close the night. Uh, I wanted to thank you, uh, Narubin, for joining me again. I will be back next week to, to uh, review the Money in the Bank show, and have a great time at SummerSlam and the upcoming uh, All-In pay-per-view. All right, thank you.